Hey everybody and welcome into the Hockey Show Podcast. I'm Nick. And I'm John. Nick, you ever fantasize about driving off into the desert in a straight line for as long as you possibly can? Wait until your car runs out of gas? Start over. Have a whole new life. Change your name to something else really generic like Jack Thompson? And just disconnect from everything and everyone you were around. Just hit the reset button all over. Uh, I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who hasn't, you know, in a day and age where we actually like address the fact that mental health and and mental wellness is a thing. uh, Yeah. Who hasn't thought about just turning everything off and just going? (laughs) I I think there's something really romantic about that. Just the idea of disappearing also also reminds um, me of how i used to live the uh, those college days where you would just see me and then i'd just vanish for eight hours and show back up again and be like let me tell you about my life <laughs> let me tell you i was out in the woods i had a conversation with a tree <laughs> now if you'll excuse me i need to wake up at three in the morning. yeah <laughs> nick why are your eyes so red and why do you look like you're Cosmo Kramer. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> it's been a journey, man, the last eight hours. <laughs> there was Beach no, I, Boys, I was... there was Jim Morrison, <laughs> there was a T-Rex, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I always, I was thinking about Las Vegas and the few times I've been out there for work, I usually end up driving away from Vegas at one point. And there's something about driving through the desert that just makes me think, it's like, I don't have to go to the airport. I can just keep going. Well, and and what ha- whatever happens happens. You know, uh, there is something to I, say about Vegas and Nevada with with that experience of when once you're inside of it, there's a hole, there's a pull, whether it is the strip or whether it's the desert. There's a pull there, man. And and it isn't until I realize that there's a Johnny Depp movie that starts this way that I'm just uh, like, oh, that's that uh, could be what I'm uh, thinking. That of. film, yeah, yeah. Back to what I joked uh, about a minute ago. Yeah, exactly. That film, um, not fun. That <laughs> 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 film is not fun. I don't like it, that. It was film. very. I do not like. It that was very film. quotable in high school. Mm, mm, very mm, quotable mm, somewhere mm, outside that film, so mm. drugs began to take hold nope <laughs> no dude that film <laughs> that film gets under my skin that film is mm, no 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 but hey since you brought up the desert and driving and we're talking vegas let's talk about the stanley cup final and let me take a victory lap here for a second because i totally predicted this Vegas in five, baby. It happened. The Did Golden Knights. Oh yeah. Remember? I gave I gave them the gentleman sweep. Uh I I felt that I felt that there was just no way in hell that Florida was gonna have a chance. And sure enough, game five wraps up in a nine-three uh Vegas victory. They ran away with it in the second period. Nineteen thousand plus fans in attendance. And the Vegas Strip just going absolutely insane. Like, that was pretty cool. Um, but the Golden there Knights are so our Stanley Cup champs. So cool. Oh, God, yeah. Like, I don't even – like, I wouldn't even know where to begin, honestly, with just all the storylines that came out of that. Uh, you know, just with a couple Norfolk Admirals finally winning a cup. Uh, 
with the former Florida Panther winning a cup and really sticking it to his former team. Uh, the let's, Jack let's Eichel story. You want to start with that? Okay, let's start with that. Yeah, because because that was that was the first thing that I had noticed. It is like obviously I wanted Florida to win it. Yeah, you because had I thought that, that would have been that would yeah, and, and I I thought it would have been kind of cooler if they did. But like I also didn't have like particular this wasn't like the last time the the golden knights were in the finals which i was like just like please no uh but there was a lot of uh like like i thought it would be a really cool story for some of the guys still on the roster that came from the panthers riley smith jonathan marcheso uh to that were, you know, given up in the expansion draft mm-hmm. uh, f- to protect Eric Gabranson, of all people. Uh, to, <laughs> Seemed like a good to... idea at the time, in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and there's there's been a ton of turnover on their roster since then, but for them to win the cup against the team that gave them up like that, I thought would have been especially poetic. And you got to give it to uh, Marshall as well, because he, he really, really was a poetic ending. I've been saying there's no, like, it's Jack Eichel's. If Vegas wins, Jack Eichel will be the con smite. He will be the most valuable player to his team in the playoffs. No doubt about it, you know. Uh, the only other player I could see potentially taking that from him is Aiden Hill who put up uh, a cup final performance that just uh, for, for the ages. Oh yeah. But Jonathan Marshall ends up getting the con smite and not, it's not like that's a bad pick. Uh, he was tied for the NHL yeah. lead in the postseason in goals 13. He ranked second in points with 25, all 13 goals over a 13 game span from the second round through the cup final. And uh, now he goes down as well, not as a former uh, Panther winning it against the Panthers, but he's the first undrafted player since Gretzky in 88 to win the Smite. See, I, w- I was going to pick at you and say, do you know who the first undrafted player Ah, sorry, was? I but... gave it away, yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. My that's notes fine. over it, here, it... I, actually had, I actually did a little bit for the for the Cup. Oh, Cubs, my so, yeah. God. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's a super cool Smite story. I If... If it was going to be up to me, I probably would have put Jack Eichel and had Marcheseau second. And a few of the voters did have that, but like it's it it was an odd year to where like some of the stuff you felt like you felt like sometimes some years the best you know option is there, and if anyone else gets it, this person's getting robbed. I.e., Phil Kessel losing out on the Smythe to Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Uh, but but this year it, it felt like there was definitely a decent handful of players where you could say, yeah, that, that makes sense. I, and I think that goes to speak to Vegas, which is funny because I didn't listen back, but I, I looked at the notes. When we did our early season preview and we did the West and we talked Vegas, we were like, man, they're a team that's got to outscore all of their problems. And goaltending ended up being huge them this year which uh, i mean we could talk about that the fact that that's a team that seemed to have five capable goalies <laughs> uh which yeah, blows so- my mind but but also just the firepower that was there and i think what gave marcia shelf the uh i think what helped him was when the con smythe is that he scored 10 goals that either gave vegas a lead which was six of them or tied the game the other four during the uh cup run 
important important goals yeah, to have yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and especially being able to have those additional offensive options. Like we saw how far one line teams got. Yes. I.e. not very far. So so to have something that you could spread out like that, oh, like this isn't Jack Eichel and Mark Stone's line, but it's still going to be pretty lethal in that sort of sense. So it went a really, really long way for him. And, and when you mentioned when you mentioned the number of goaltenders they had, what what I especially got a kick out of is, you know, normally there's, you know, the one that played and the one on the bench for the cup ceremony, but you know, you want to bring everyone out and you want everyone in, you don't want to, you don't want Phil Kessel, like raising the cup, wearing a suit, you know, you want everyone to, you know, have that moment and look like a, you know, essential player. And and they look around and go, how many goalies do they have right now? And it, because you had Aiden Hill who played, Mm -hmm. you had Jonathan quick, who was on the bench. Then you had Lauren Bra- uh, Brassois was there. Logan Thompson was there. Yep. Two guys who had started uh, in the postseason before. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and all of this isn't to say, by the way, they also had Robin Leonard on yeah. injured reserve yeah. all year. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there you're yeah, fine they, right there. Yeah. They they had some good options there. But, uh, but it was – it especially I had a lot of thoughts about the way the Cups presented – which I always enjoy. Uh, The fact that Jonathan Quick lifted it before Aiden Hill, I thought was really funny to me. Uh, Yeah, there were a few. I I know the pass off is, is, I guess, player discretion really, but there was still a few, there was a few choices where I was like, what did they do to deserve it over the guy that that (laughs) legit like carried you here? Yeah, so so they did the they did the original uh, expansion draft. Mark Stone gave it to Marcheso, who they handed it off through the original uh, expansion draft players, and then it got to Alec Martinez. And I think because Alec Martinez played in L.A. with Jonathan Quick, he just went straight. To yeah, <laughs> and, and Jonathan Quick, to his credit, Jonathan Quick was really quick about it. He didn't like make a huge gigantic laugh. It was just, it was awkward. and kind of stood out to me a little bit and I had a good old chuckle about it. Yeah. I, I did like how, uh, I mean, of course Vegas had the sparklers and everything going mm-hmm. like that was that, that was pretty cool, but that was also where I was like, man, that is just so on brand for Vegas. But they do become the quickest team in the modern era to win a Stanley Cup, though. It only took six years, which is exactly what was predicted six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> years yeah by, the playoffs, by... Six years for a cup, and then uh, really it was one year to a cup final and six years to finally <laughs> finish the uh, job the first year. Yeah, and, and he says he says they're not done. Um, they says he's not. And, done. and to be fair, honestly, you know, I I know Vegas didn't come out with the high. I forgot who it was that had the uh, the betting odds. Was the odds on favor for the year? But you got to believe that Vegas is absolutely a cup contender. They still, you know, there's the ish, there's the situation with Aiden Hill is going to be a free agent now, uh, and Jonathan Quick is definitely gone 
he's not coming back, but they still have Laner. Uh, but they have, and, and outside of the goalie situation, that young core, that core is locked up. Eichel's locked up. Uh, Marshall's locked up. Stone's locked up. Like those guys are all locked up, and they're young guys. The guys that they drafted, who are on team friendly deals, all contributing as well to that team. So it's yeah, it's hard it, not to expect them to be in. Uh, like, did we just go from Tampa to Vegas? Is that going to be the new thing? it's not the craziest thing to think, especially if that division stays as weak as it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, The odds here, uh, the odds on favorite next year is Colorado, which I thought was a little surprising, but if they're going to get Landis Cog back, that kind of explains a lot of that. Yeah. Then the Oilers, but wait, you know, McDavid dry anytime you're doing early season betting, that's a safe bet to make. Uh, Then the Bruins, Mm -hmm which I thought was strange. Uh, then uh, Toronto, then Carolina, then New Jersey is tied uh, with Vegas and the Rangers at plus 1,400. I mean, that's pretty generous for the Rangers right now, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I don't know. Maybe, maybe maybe, it has something to do with what we'll talk about a little bit later on with them. But, uh, yeah, I... Uh, I, I, it's hard to believe that Vegas is that low at, coming in as the defending Stanley Cup champions because typically the defendant, like the defending champion, is usually a top two or top three. So for them to be so low is very shocking. And again, when you look at their roster, they don't, they only have like three point something million to work with next year, but it's because everybody is essentially locked up. That is a key component to that team. Yeah, a, a lot of the players that they're going to have to replace, aside from their goaltending, is your death guys. Phil Kessel, Teddy Bluger, Ivan Barbashev. Like, these are the players that need a new deal. Outside of that, you can take the same thing and run it back again. And that and that's probably what will make them so dangerous going into next year. And, and, and even if they let all of their goaltenders walk, they're still going to have Logan Thompson and whatever's left of Robin Leonard. So they're probably fine there too. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, there's, there's a lot to be optimistic about for that team. I think. Yeah. I, I, I mean, listen, if you're a golden Knights fan, you are on top of the world right now. You deserve it. Celebrate it. I, I, I have seen the people trying to undercut it of long-suffering fan base gets their cup. But to be fair, they they know the experience of losing a Stanley Cup final. So they did lose a cup final. Uh, you you got to feel for Florida fans, though, because they're probably screaming at me right now going, yeah, but this is our second one that we lost. And we only have one Stanley Cup final victory out of those two appearances now. But I guess to circle to a question that you asked a few weeks ago, because I heard a Panthers fan say that they were still happy with the way the season went. Are you happy if you're a Panthers fan today or are you pissed because you were so close? I mean, you're probably not happy with the result, but if you look at it as a whole, like you did better than every team except one, you got to be a little satisfied with that, right? I mean, thinking back to the 
anniversary of not too, uh, well, actually nine years ago now, uh, so almost a decade, I I was not, I I still don't find satisfaction from that. I as a Rangers fan, I'm still completely peeved about that, and every single day I'm sitting there going, if Zuccarello didn't take a puck to the face. Do they win it? If that goalie interference is called, do they win game one? Like, what? where the hell did, like, there's no, like, oh, well, at least we got the Eastern Conference Championship banner to show for it. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, there's that. Like, I I don't know. Like, I, it's, it, right, it's a tough if, one. I, I don't know. I feel like if you go into every season as anything less than the Stanley Cup is an absolute failure, it, life as a hockey fan is going to be painful, <laughs> yes, especially as they continue expanding. Like, like it, it, are you going to be as happy? Obviously not. But if you're if you're going to go into it with the, well, you know, this was, you know, still a pretty good year. And if you told me at the beginning of the year that they'd be in the cup final, I would have thought you were crazy. And add into that, just the idea that Florida did go in as the eighth seed and basically, you know, got in because Pittsburgh couldn't be bothered to beat Chicago that one game. Like, you know, if you sat down a, Panthers fan and told, oh no, they're going to beat Boston and Toronto and Carolina. They, they would have been, they wouldn't be turning up their nose at not winning the Stanley Cup, I think. Yeah. Okay. I guess, I guess that's a way, I, I guess one way to see it is that, you know, I'm looking at a team that was a uh, top of the division, a powerhouse at the time, Florida, you know, essentially backed into the postseason. And, you know, like they still had to make the run, but, you know, if Pittsburgh wins that, you know, one game, they're in that that's so essentially you found yourself backing in through Pittsburgh losing to Chicago. And then you're, you tell me that there's going to be a run to the Stanley cup final and and it's going to fall three wins short, but you're going to get there. Yeah, I guess I could find some joy in that but there's also got to be like i don't know i feel like it also has got to be hard because now you're watching a franchise that's existed for six years hoist a cup you're on how many years and you're now over two in the cup final yeah that's that's that's, that's tough as like well. that's that's in, gotta hurt looking at it as a franchise long sort of thing but yeah, yeah. if you're I, I don't know what you change going into next year if you're Florida. I haven't really like taken that deep of a look at it just yet. I feel like they're um, kind of locked up like, too with a lot of their core. Um, yeah, there, there's going to be some pieces here and there that have had their time up. I think you got to figure out what the situation is going to be for Spencer Knight going forward. Yeah, which goaltending goaltending's hard enough to figure out when you don't bring the addiction side of it into it. So that that's that's going to involve some really tough decisions, I think. But the the uh, the, the idea that there's two different ways a lot of teams can end up after falling short in the Stanley Cup final uh, goes a really long way. The the first team that really comes to mind for it is the Flyers who 
you know, had Chris Pronger on their side and the whole Dry Island saga and everything like that. And the team just totally fell apart after uh, this after losing in the Stanley Cup to Chicago. And you could probably say something similar about Montreal here a couple of years back to uh, losing to Tampa and Maybe then the just season. being a lottery team. Yeah. Yeah. The I mean, fake season they got all, in but... in the phase because it was a fake season. Well, yeah, but you would figure that gives them something to build on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, they <laughs> I don't they, know. Yeah, I, did, we could did. have a whole conversation about that of that team just wasn't good. And everybody else just for whatever reason played bad. Like that team yeah, never it, it deserved helps. any of the, what they got. And, and and who did they beat in the conference final? God, I don't even remember at this point. Vegas. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. And wasn't so, yeah. that uh, – no, Gallant was already fired by then. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I think that was DeBoer. Yeah. yeah. There at that yeah. time. Yeah. But, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of different things that you can kind of take away from it. Or you can be, you know, the – Tampa Bay's, the Los Angeles Kings that got, you know, beat in the conference final by the Blackhawks. You could be a team that, you know, builds something on it and then has a chance to make another run at it the next year. And and I think I think the way that it ended probably left a bad taste on a lot of players' mouths and they would love to have another shot at it. Uh but also just I mean the the if this playoff is going to be remembered for anything, I think it's going to be the coming out party for Matthew Kachuk. Oh, 100%. I mean, I, I feel like all that I have seen, and I expect this to be a huge thing this summer, is everybody's going to be doing the where's our Matthew Kachuk trade? Where's our mm. swing for the fences for this player deal? Because... Yeah, I mean, listen, if Florida won the cup, it, it was it wasn't like the Vegas side of things where we're looking at them and we're like, okay, it, it's it's Marshall as the cons might that makes sense. I figured it would have been Eichel. He had the most points of the postseason, uh, led the postseason in points, the first American to do that since Brian Leach did it twenty nine years ago in ninety four. Like, I, you know, it could have been Aiden Hill who put on a performance, you know, again for the ages where he was putting up numbers in the cup final that no goalie has like ever put up. While on the other side of things, it really came down to it, if they win, it's 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 Kachuk because Kachuk was a game changer uh, for the better and also for the worse. I mean, you, you can't really get three game misconducts uh, in a Stanley Cup final and expect to win if you're the best player uh, and then him missing game five, you text me right before game five, like when it was announced, he wasn't going to play. And, and, you know, we, I, I didn't get back to you. Uh, Cause I'll be honest. I was already asleep at that point. So <laughs> I had to rewatch a lot of the game this afternoon after work. Um, but yeah, once he was out, it was pretty much a given Vegas was going to win that because yeah, He's, he's yeah, and and they and and they showed they showed a little bit of fight. They made it, you know, one one, and and boy, did the wheels fall off after that. Oh yeah, and 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 maybe the best blessing going into this off season is that Keith Jones isn't going to be on our televisions anymore because about halfway through the game, as 
the Golden Knights are, you know, score their fourth goal. He's a, yeah, but Florida, you know, really, you know, owned this game for the first 10 minutes of the game. He's like, really? You sure yeah, about that? They, they, yeah, Florida was great the first 10 minutes. Then they got a power play and let, let Mark Stone walk in on a shorthanded goal. Like, I just, I, I'm so glad I don't have to listen to him anymore. Uh, well, going back to the cup presentation real quick. Did you see the scarves that they put on? Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was another, that was, again, like, that was another, like, like, oh, you didn't like it. Oh, wow. All right. Explain. Okay. So, so this is the deeply cynical anti-capitalist guy in me, but hear me out. (laughs) So you're mad that there's, that this is like a WWE type thing where they introduce a thing and then all the kids are going to go, I want that. And every parent is going to go, okay. (laughs) what <laughs> well, well well because that's what they do with the hats that's why everyone has to be wearing the hat mm-hmm. and then there's there's already the jersey the jersey's been there the whole time mm-hmm. and now we're throwing the scarf on with the fanatics emblem really prominent on it so that we all know where we could go order one of these scarves yeah. in the middle of june with uh all these guys that just got done playing uh hour of hockey is say, yeah what i really need at this moment is a scarf like give it a rest man no nah, you know <laughs> what you know what but you already have so much it's 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 telling me that hey you know what next season is closer than uh i i think it is sure we're heading in the summer but you know what that scarf is going to come in handy when i'm taking a trip to little caesar arena or something like that in in november and i need to stay warm with my red wing scarf well, Oh, oh, so would you would you wear a scarf in Las Vegas or Florida? I mean, it, it, listen, the iguanas freeze. Uh, <laughs> you know, you got you got to stay warm. You could use it to protect yourself from falling iguanas. Uh, it, yeah, just know. I. I know, enough with the product place. and the desert it's gets cold man you were you know you started the show by saying you wanted to drive off into the desert and start anew. What it what what it what if Mark Stone drives off into the desert? He's got to have a scarf on. It gets cold out there. I had a head scarf. A head scarf. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I had no issue with it. It's clearly product placement. I think as as being a longtime WWE fan, I'm just accustomed to. Oh look, they rolled out a new thing for for people to buy. You know, you yeah. just kind of yeah. You, know, I, you like you just get you just get prone to. Oh, I've been bombarded with this for thirty plus years of. I need to get a Hulkamaniac shirt. Now I need to get a headband. Now I need to get the headband that has the fake hair to it. Now I need this. Oh, now I need a DX shirt. Now I need the DX thing that's foam hand that says suck it. Like, you know, come on. <laughs> yeah, we, we I, I, I just, are, are they going to have sunglasses next year? And exactly. Well, another WWE trope right there. I need the sunglasses that have my favorite wrestler's name on it. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at with it. Uh, <laughs> speaking of shameless plugs for businesses, yeah, did you see what's being offered to uh, to the Golden Knights players? Um, no. So, so I don't know how both of us ended up missing this story, uh, but Larry Flint's Hustler Club. <laughs> Uh, said that 
if said a few, I want to say this was either the beginning of the playoffs or a couple rounds ago, uh, that all of the Vegas Golden Knights players, should they win the Stanley Cup, would get platinum VIP status and free lap dances for life. Well, that's a great deal. I've got an issue with it. <laughs> oh, oh, what what is that? Well, well, a couple of issues. Uh, number one, you know some of those guys, or a lot of those guys are probably married. Uh-huh. Man, come on. Do you need to... Hey, honey, I'm going out with the boys yeah. tonight. Oh, are you going to Larry Flint's Hustler Club? Yeah. Like, you know there's going to be headaches caused by this Oh, offer. 100%. Well, that's if they accept the offer. The ones that are married probably won't accept it. But the ones that are single, uh, they, you know, maybe they go. Maybe they have a good time. Maybe they enjoy uh, the, the platinum status now, and see what it's like and get the bottle service and bring the cup there and somebody gets a lap dance while holding the cup over their head. Uh, honestly, I would, I would sure they've love, done it love to see that photo. Um, oh my God. But no. Uh, um, but so, so joking and bit aside, I'm kind of with you in the sense of like, it's just dumb. It's, it's, well, I get it, but it's dumb. But, but here, here's my other issue with it. Only the players. Yeah. What about the coaches? Yeah, like, like if you're a, a ticket rep, yeah, you, you don't need to get in on this, <laughs> right? But it, what about the equipment manager? What about the mascot? Does he oh get to get out? Oh, my God, yes. Because I, I, oh God, I, I shouldn't have said that. I feel like there's a very specific corner of the internet that would want to see the mascot, Larry uh, Flintstone. You're, you're half of this show. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> but, but like also, like, GM, GM, George McPhee. Yeah. You're going to tell him he doesn't deserve platinum status? He seems like the type of guy that, that really would would benefit from that. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was just like, that, those sure, were my two thoughts. never going to land an interview with George McPhee ever. Yeah, that well. <laughs> that's, that's what I'll send him. Hey, you want to come on? I'm going to talk about how you were shafted yeah how you were robbed yeah how, how you really want this uh platinum status yeah oh god that's funny yeah i don't know how we both missed that story but probably i would have i i will venture into the territory of one of us is married and the other one is happily going to be married in the near future like that's how we missed it yeah well well yeah i mean if we end up there on assignment. <laughs> yeah, what? you know, if I got to follow Brett Howden uh, around his day with the cup and he happens to go there, I'm, you know, I'm going to be like, well, well shit, I can't if, do my job. If I have to follow the one player on the roster that was a Vegas Golden Knights draft pick, <laughs> do you know which player that is, Nick? Oh, gosh. Uh, the, why am I forgetting his name? It starts with the C, right? No. No? All right, then I'm good. Good. Give me. Yeah, it was Nicholas Haig picked 34th overall in the 2017 draft, which I'm pretty sure was their first draft. Um, yeah, they didn't yeah, have a that's, first. <laughs> yeah, but that's wild. I, I mean, I guess it probably doesn't make, it's probably not as wild considering how old the team is. 
But it's just like, man, only one of the players on the roster was somebody that they drafted. Everyone else was a signing or a trade or expansion draft. Well, okay, and I'm I'm actually happy you said that because I've seen – I wanted to bring – I wanted to discuss this a little bit with Vegas. The fact that people have kind of tried undercutting their win with the, oh, Vegas got an easy route – Oh, the the expansion draft. Vegas had to be Edmonton. Well, well, well. In the sense of, they're a franchise that has never had to go through the suffering because they were set up for success through the expansion draft. Where my counter argument to that is, they were the thirty first team in the league. Like, this isn't the league going from six teams you know, and doubling that and six teams are losing players. This is 30 other teams were losing players. Like it's easier now for an expansion draft and to come out good and to come out capable of being a contender. And I mean, like when I think about that expansion draft, they got handed Marc-Andre Fleury because Pittsburgh was in a cap crunch and needed Fleury to waive his no-movement clause. Like, that's how they ended up with a lot of really good players and guys that then, after waiving that no-movement clause, became trade bait for them. Yeah, and realistically, I don't think the rules were unfair. They The rules are different from the expansion draft that, like, Columbus and Minnesota were a part of. But I don't feel like the rules were unfairly stacked no. in their favor. I, I feel like it was teams like Florida galaxy braining into giving them, you know, these uh, younger players to protect someone that's more established. You know, like no one, no one put a gun to your head and said, give up Jonathan Marchessault or William Carlson or all these other guys that played a significant role on the team. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was more the idea of, uh, oh, we, we we couldn't possibly let our 13th best player go uh, to this team. How would we? That That's that's more or less what happened with Seattle. Seattle got everyone's 13th best player. Yeah. And they're, you know, and they're still all right. But I, I, I don't know. I You can't hold that against Vegas for that. And if that were the case, they would have just won their first year easily. Yeah, it wouldn't have taken the six years. Uh, it wouldn't have taken other moves. Uh, eventually, the signing of like the uh, Alex Petriangelo and all of that, guys to like sure up their blue line that had a cup, uh, handing them those big deals. Like, I think Vegas did it just totally right. Like Vegas did it right. It's just quicker than everybody else outside of the Oilers in where it took them five years in Edmonton, but they were the Oilers for 10 years prior people. So yeah, that's, that's why. And 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 they had Gretzky. That doesn't count. (laughs) Yeah. And, And don't forget some of the objectively insane things that Vegas had to do to get to this point. Drafting oh God, Nick yeah. Suzuki and then trading him. Uh, literally giving away Max Pacioretty for nothing this offseason to Carolina. Uh, th- there's there's so many different what-ifs that could have gone into play. What if you know St. Louis decides they're going to make it work with uh, Alex Petrangelo and resign him and not make him available in free agency? Or even what if... Uh, they trade for Eric Carlson, which they 
came pretty close to doing to getting him from Ottawa. So the, the, there's, I, I've, I don't have a lot of time for arguments to kind of dismiss or discredit their path here. Like they didn't make the playoffs last year. Like they had to make moves. They had to make changes. They had to switch around the coaching staff. There was a lot had to happen for them to get here. Yeah. And they went from missing to little changeover and now uh, a recycled coach that's been fired multiple times prior has a Stanley cup because it's a boys club. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit more on that again, a little later on, but, uh, that's uh, what we call a hook. Yeah. Uh, uh, but before we get there, like uh, you, do you want to talk a little parody in the league and what we might've learned from this and what mistakes are going to be made? Cause yeah. Oh, so, that 100% so, is coming. <laughs> Yeah, so a really good article came uh, from Justin Bourne, uh, son of Poppy Bourne. You heard of this guy? You know this guy growing up on the island? Uh, he he put an article up on Sportsnet uh, talking a little bit about how it's copycat league and uh, what lessons are the rest of the league going to take away from this. Uh, so, for example, uh, the Kings win the cup and all of a sudden everyone has to get, you know, a lot harder to play against. Uh, Pittsburgh wins. Well, you know, physicality doesn't mean as much. We all need to load up on, you know, uh, on speed. So there's there's different lessons that people take away from these sort of things. And I want to kind of give you the summaries and see if you kind of agree or disagree on them. Uh, the first thing they mentioned was depth defensively, specifically looking to the Golden Knights in the sense that, uh, you know, obviously Alec Martinez and players like that are great to have, but the more you look at Shea Theodore, Braden McNabb, Zach Whitecloud, uh, Nicholas Haig, just having that defensive depth there that you can really trust to not just hit it up high, hard off the glass uh, when they're out there. How much is that going to play a role going into next year? I think that will play a role. I think I, I already think that that kind of is a thing though, where you see where there are teams out there that do have, uh, I would say, I would say the 60 thing is going to be the change, but everybody typically tries to look for like a 4D pairing, but, yeah. but then you have teams like Florida where they might have more of like 4D type, like top, top 4D, but a lot of those secondary, like that second pair D and that third pair D are only getting like 17 to 13 minutes and you're really riding that first pair. Um, so I, I could see the depth coming because they're going to want, you know, okay, my top guy, you know, my cat, my Kale McCarr is going to play 23 minutes, but I need two, three, four to play around 19 to 20. Yeah, and and it was unique what Vegas did this year because Petrangelo averaged about 23 and a half minutes a okay. game, uh, which, you know, you expect out of your top defenseman. Uh, then Shea Theodore, Alec Martinez, Braden McNabb were all somewhere between 19 and 20. 
And that third pair of White Cloud and Haig averaged uh, 1848 and 1829 per game, respectively. Yeah. So where normally a lot of those players would be like 10, 11, 12 minute defensemen that there's not nearly as much of a drop off between your top defenseman and your bottom defenseman. I think that probably said a lot about the confidence that they had in their group. Uh, so other lesson to possibly be pulled from all of this, uh, goaltending is voodoo and it doesn't matter who's in that. Get, given... Given what we saw previous year with Darcy Kemper, now you saw a team that threw in Aiden Hill with Logan Thompson, Lauren Brassois, all, all you know, sharing some sort of mix of starting responsibilities. Uh, does goaltending just not matter that much? Uh, it's it's wild to, to think that because being a fan of a team that has world-class goaltending – went from one Hall of Fame goalie to potentially another one and thinking about this past playoff as well, where maybe the best goalie in the league this year, Sorokin, gets bounced in the first round, playing opposite a team that is rolling out like a two-goalie tandem. Uh, You know, and and when we got to Jake Ottinger, what, what did we say? Oh, well, Jake Ottinger is the last sure thing and what happened Jay Gottinger ended up not being a sure thing and Aiden Hill was a sure thing. And it's like that, like that's where, that's where the legend of Aiden Hill really began of outplaying the last sure thing. Uh, Sure. Bobrovsky, you know, he's like in a weird, you know, we've talked about it a lot on this show with him where he, he just feels like he falls in this weird place of, we know how good he is because of the Vesnas and his past but he's clearly not that, but then he showed he could still be that. So it was like, oh, is he doing the Marc-Andre Fleury thing where, oh man, the guy's cooked. Oh, nope. He's going to go on a tear and win a Vezina next year and prove that that 10 million is worth it. Um, Not so much in the cup final, but you know, like, I I don't know. So I could see this becoming a thing where teams don't really spend on the goaltending, but then on the opposite end of things, you look at like how the cat, how it planned, how, how it's panned out for the capitals the last couple of years where they've tried doing that. And then they ended up spending the money on, on Kemper, which was just a, why like 32, 33, giving them a four year deal. You're already in cap hell because of Ovi and trying to pad his numbers. And this is a guy that, you know, with the avalanche was more of a journeyman goalie to get here and kind of was that one, a one B type of guy. Um, I don't know. Like, I think a lot of teams, I think a lot of teams will look to that, but it's going to, but again, also how much world-class goaltending do you really have out there? Yeah. And I, I don't think I've ever seen a goalie that is as inconsistent year over year as Bobrovsky. If if you told me next year Bobrovsky is going to win the Vesna, I'd believe it. Yeah. If you told me he was going to be one of the bottom five goalies in the year or for the season, I'd probably believe that too. Like, like it's just it's wild the way that he kind of jumps back and forth with a lot of stuff. And we talked about him potentially being a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. But man, is it just difficult to predict? Uh, the the point 
uh, I, w- I was also going to just throw out, like, look at the Devils and what they did to the Rangers. I mean, a coach got fired because of a third-string goalie. And, and well, that that was mostly our fault for joking that the Rangers needed to run into a third string goalie, and Akira Schmid came onto the scene. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I I don't think you can take Alex Lyon or Akira Schmid and say, yeah, we're going to make these guys our starters because Aiden Hill worked out so well. Uh, but you got to be able to make smart bets and have depth in the role, if nothing else. And I think what would probably be if you went to a full platoon style goaltending duo using uh logan thompson and uh either brassois or leonard or whoever you have next year that's not the worst way to do it either no so i think you could i i think you could take away something like that with it but i'm sure there's going to be someone out there that uh decides you know yeah james reimer can get us to the cup final yeah, yeah. Uh, another role uh, thing is the importance of purposeful role-specific depth players. Uh, in the idea that we didn't see a whole lot out of Phil Kessel in the playoffs because the way they were using their fourth line uh, wasn't necessarily in a scoring role. Mm-hmm. It was going to be forechecking, hitting, defending. So a huge, huge thing that got you this far was, you know, Will Carrier, Nicholas Rogg, Keegan Colasar. Uh, but even on, you know, Florida, the way Sam Bennett and Radko Gudis and, you know, up and down the lineup, they had a lot of depth players that made a real, real serious impact there. So it, it's kind of the idea that maybe specialists will be more important next year whether it's, you know, your face-off guy, your penalty kill guy, uh, the defenseman who's just going to knock the crap out of you if you dare have your head down coming up the neutral zone. Players like that could potentially have a renewed interest this offseason. Yeah, the the toughness factor is going to be talked about. Uh, I, and I actually... You you mentioned Vegas, and yeah, they they were a team that had a good structure and a good identity. Everybody knew their role. I mean, Phil Kessel wasn't playing the fourth line because they saw their fourth line in Vegas as being uh, a bang people up, four check, you know, dump and grind, cause cause black and blues. But on the other end of things, I think that this plays into the Kachuk aspect of things. But even Sam Bennett. Uh, guys like that who are just wrecking balls, that type of player who provides skill but is not afraid to get their hands dirty is definitely uh, going to be seeked out this offseason. Yeah, and and that could also lend to what we heard Barry Trot say about the draft, saying, look, I can go out and find third and fourth line guys no problem. Go get me – you know, someone that's going to get people out of their seats or that has the higher ceilings and, and just, you know, the, the idea that a lot of people looked at that Ivan Barbashev uh, uh, trade and said, that might be the most important move of the trade deadline. And then, you know, they win it all probably can't be a coincidence either. Yeah. Uh, the, there could 
the next thing he mentions is uh, teams that just make the playoffs ha- or just miss the playoffs have to make major changes. Used to be that if you, you know, fell short, you know, two or three points, you could run it back, change things around the perimeter a little and, uh, and just have those guys right back at it. Uh, but between uh, all the moves Vegas made, the gigantic trade Florida made, uh, everything we're seeing Columbus doing right now even, are, do we potentially end up seeing a whole lot of other really bold moves and trades this offseason? I do think that somebody out there is going to make a, a swing for the Panthers fences. Uh, I, I said this to you just in our own conversations, Patrick line, I think is a guy to kind of keep an eye on, uh, you know, that's somebody that seems to be, he's probably going to be moved. And there are a lot of teams starting to kind of throw their name around that are starting to get linked to him. And I could see one of those teams convincing themselves that young player, physical talent can score, can be a game changer. This is our Kachuk move. Um, Whether or not he he's actually that type of player. Well, I mean, he hasn't had a chance to have a coming out party the way Matthew Kachuk did, but I think that there is something to be said to the way that Vegas went about it where, and even Florida for that matter, they both very much did stay the course. There wasn't, as you said, in years past, you might see a few guys get get dumped off and moved and, and a lot of changes come where they just kind of made small little ones. You know, Pacioretty, where we were like, man, they just gave him away. It ended up being a pretty good move for the Golden Knights. Uh, for the Panthers, it was the, wow, a swapping of the stars. How is this going to pay off? And yeah, they backed into the playoffs, but it paid off. Like, and they didn't make drastic, dra- you know, it is weird though saying the Panthers didn't make drastic moves because they did do a superstar swap, but but everything else stayed the same as opposed to a, a complete and utter, like, what the hell, blow it up. And, and that could lean into the next point a little as well, which is that a fresh coaching voice can really help a talented roster. Yes. So when so when you have some of these guys that are coming back but that were maybe a little disappointing, uh, you know, time to make a move. Which obviously was really the case for the Golden Knights, and says, "Oh, Gerard Gallant got us to the Cup final. Let's keep this guy for life." Nah, he's out. Uh, Peter DeBoer, you know, took us to a conference final. Mm-hmm. You know, he's doing it. No, he's out. It just swat, not being afraid to make a coaching change like that, which I think gets overdone with bad teams in the sense that, well, I can't get get rid of the players, but I can get rid of the coach, yep. sort of thing. It, it may not be as crazy anymore to see it happen with good teams that when, you know, Joe Quinville slash Andrew Burnett switching over to Paul Maurice. Yeah. And I, I think there's something to say to that. Uh, I think that the fresh coaching boys can help. I mean, just like as, as a listener, think about yourself, you know, if for two years, your boss 
rides you one way and leans on you one way and then year three comes, are you still that same person? Are you still, you know, is, is the leaning on you thing annoying you? Are you happy? Is it just kind of repetitive at this point? You know, like people change. So the voice that you're hearing eventually might not motivate you eventually might be bad. So, you know, you, you, and everything we've heard about coaches like Gallant, you know, who are very uh, apparently hands off when their players ask them for help, uh, and, but keeps leaning on the same things, you know, that gets stale. And then the next guy that gets stale and then a new guy, uh, you know, and, and I have no issue with the boys club crap. Uh, I know that people want, fresh younger voices because the game is changing but i think those guys will come when the time is there it's not there yet so uh but fresh coaching voices i think always helps locker rooms yeah and and then the last thing uh that was in there was that nastiness being the key to success and 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 i think that can kind of go both ways i i mean like we've talked all playoff long about florida and their you know willingness to really bang bodies and make and just kind of walk in and say oh boston has this reputation of being such a tough team we're gonna go there and hit them in the mouth a bunch of times and it ends up working or it even back to you know vegas the petrangelo slash on leon dreisaitl yep that you know granted he got suspended for that but you know what i think a lot of people you know kind of say okay there's you know there's a limit to how much this stuff how much of this stuff these guys are going to take and so i i feel like some teams may try to go full broad street bullies and that probably isn't the answer but there's probably a lot of merit to still showing that you're not willing to get pushed around a la the sedines versus boston in 2011 yeah yeah um yeah, I mean, I, I think that goes back to the what I said a little earlier with the like the Sam Bennett's and them and those role players. They're definitely like those two teams were two teams that showed like you're not going to mess with us, you're not going to push us around. You're you're you know Florida tried pushing around Vegas and Vegas was like, yeah, haha, this is not happening. Uh, and Florida pretty much pushed their way around to get to the cup final. They just finally found an opponent that was like, yeah, we're, we're tougher than you and mentally capable of doing this better than you. Um, so yeah, I could see, I, I get, I, I, I think those guys like Sam Bennett are going to make a lot of money in the off season. Yeah. And I think it's going to be easy to trade a guy like a Barkley, uh, like a Barkley Goudreau then. Because people are going to see him and be like, oh, third liner that could play second line, winger, tough, playoffs, bad. Rings in the room. I, I yeah. can see a team like Vancouver talking themselves into a player like that very easily. Hey, hey, Vancouver, why don't you call up uh, Chris Drury and uh, ask what about What you doing him, with you know? that Brock Besser, huh? Yeah, maybe maybe get, maybe get Brock Besser up and, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll be generous, a second round pick. <laughs> yeah i'm gonna do that i'm gonna uh, spent an entire season trying to be logical and now all of a sudden in, in in what's the cup final episode 
uh, I'm going to go all super video game override the, that's a horrible trade. Make it. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, I guess uh, I, I mentioned Drury, so we might as well just jump into uh, away from the Stanley Cup final. Congratulations again, Vegas fans. We just talked an hour about the Cup final. So let's move on to other news and notes. Uh, and the big one, a three-year contract extension. Well, I guess the, the latest one, the three-year contract, uh, not an extension, but to Peter Laviolette. Less than $5 million a year, according to The Athletic, but he has taken over... Uh, and will be the new head coach of the New York Rangers. And man, oh man, oh man, I feel, uh, again, I need to take another victory lap here. I caused this to happen when his name was never linked to the Rangers after Gallant. And then I went, you know who I wouldn't mind? Peter Laviolette. And then we sat here and discussed it. And by the end of that discussion, I went, oh, maybe that's a bad idea. And then <laughs> less than a week later, hey, Peter Laviolette just interviewed for the job. Oh, here we go. Uh, but since then, I will say, I, as a Rangers fan, I've come around on it. And I actually think that this is a good hire for the New York Rangers. Uh, this is the winningest American coach in NHL history. He's eighth all time in wins as a coach. He's been to three cup finals with three different teams. He has won one. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you could knock it of, oh, it was how how many years ago now? But it doesn't matter. Since then, he's still been able to take two other teams to a cup final. So clearly he's a good voice in the locker room. And everywhere he's coached, he's had a winning record. Like he's yeah. gotten the most out of his teams. And honest to God, I know Capital fans will not agree with me. You might, John. He got the most out of bad Capitals teams. He's lucky that I, last I, year was the only year they missed the playoffs. I, I would agree with you there in the sense that, uh, you know, he, he was working with what he had. Yeah. And and there's a lot to be said going into this. Or what, what I don't want to do here is break down every idiot Ranger fan that you had <laughs> sent my way and said, look how bad these are. I don't want to do that. Oh my god, dude! Rangers Twitter is still on fire from that. And then I sent you. Uh, and then I sent you the thing that people were screaming about twenty four hours prior, and it was our Temi Panarin shaved his head. Oh God, forbid! Uh, <laughs> next, you're going to tell me because the Benajad's being a DJ. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That set them off last week. That apparently he's not allowed to go DJ at like. Stockholm's uh whatever the music festival is going on over there uh when the guy because he should be training for next season yeah you can't do both what? can't do both what all right uh, I guess Henrik Lundqvist should have never played the guitar when he was a goalie <laughs> but uh but but yeah so so looking at it from kind of a career total perspective. Peter Laviolette probably has a lot to offer there, has experience working with a lot of veteran players, has experience working with a lot of younger players is what pretty well liked. Um, I, I certainly, as much as I want someone to go out and pluck someone out of uh, Liga or the SHL or, <laughs> excuse me, right. something like that, uh, that I couldn't figure out where the mute button uh as much as you know i i 
want, you know, a really radical option. I want someone to go out and get Sergei Fedorov out of the KHL. You know, like I want to see a totally bizarre off the wall sort of move with that. Uh, Peter Laviolette isn't necessarily a bad move in that same aspect. It would be, it would be wild to, uh, to see too much outside of the old boys club, but even then half of the coaching vacancies this year got filled by first time coaches. Yeah. So we're getting it. It's like, again, I, I'm with you in the sense of, it would be really cool to see the boys club chain get broken, but we've said it on this show. I've, I, you know, like that's just not how it works sometimes in any profession. The experience matters in any profession. The experience is always going to overtake whatever young buck is ready and willing to come up. Eventually they're going to get their shot. Eventually it will happen. But I, I did see one thing about Laviolette. It was in one of the rants against him, but the one thing they said that is correct. And I was going to reply to the, to the Ranger fan and say, you're correct on one thing. And that is, it's not a sexy hire. It's not one of those, yeah. like, if you were to hire, and it's funny because this is somebody that was pushing for Patrick Watt, speaking of, you know, boys club and all of that. Not like he hasn't coached in the NHL before. Um, but you're, you're mad because Patrick Watt is a sexy name. You're mad because if they had gone with Knobloch, it's a sexy name to the fan base because you're getting the guy from, from Hartford. Uh, Laviolette is Laviolette. It's it's a guy that's been around the league. He's he's coached five Metro teams now. Um, you know he, he's he's been fired multiple times, but that's what happens when you coach as long as he has. long as he has. Yeah, yeah. like you're, you're you're guess what? You don't just coach for one team. There's no more Al Albers, or right? There's no more yeah. Al Albers. Like that, that's a yeah, one, he, that's, that's, a, that's the '80s, man. That's done. Yeah, Scotty Bowman coached for multiple different teams too. Let's let's settle down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so yeah, is Mike you, Babcock. <laughs> yeah, and and to what I was going to mention before we get we jump over there, Spencer Carberry going to Washington, mm-hmm. Ryan Hus- Huska getting the call up for Calgary there, and then uh, Greg Cronin getting a chance there in Anaheim. Like first time player, first time coaches are getting a shot at things. Yeah. So I think it's unfair to sit back here and be like, oh, this is another boys club move. There have been boys club moves. And but I think I, I don't think going out and getting an accomplished guy like Peter Laviolette is necessarily a boys club move. I think going out and getting John Tortorella to coach the Flyers is a boys club move. Agreed. I would even take that and 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 actually before I use that to move into uh, the Babcock stuff with the boys club. Uh, so you're yay or nay on this hire for the Rangers? I, I I'm curious to see what'll come of it. I, I'm not overly excited about it because, like you said, it's not a sexy move. But I also feel like for the last month, you and I have been like, yeah, Peter Laviolette's going to get yeah, this job. It, it it was kind of a an unsecret secret um yeah but jumping back into boys club stuff uh you live in columbus what's what's the feeling there now that somebody that was a part of the boys club and then um 
kicked a bunch of players and mistreated them and got run out, uh, has now been welcomed back in. Yeah, the uh, you, you know Johnny Goudreau could have been playing on Jack Hughes' <laughs> wing, but now he's going to have the guy that's going to make him you know rank every player's work ethic and <laughs> leak it to them. Um, look, you we we talked about this a little bit last episode that you know there you can't just cancel somebody for the rest of their lives. There has to be a path backwards for any of this stuff to be meaningful and relevant mm-hmm. and you know pe- people generally speaking people deserve a second chance i don't know if people that cause johan franzen to have panic attacks during the playoffs uh deserve that second chance but hey maybe he's done a lot different maybe there's been a lot of growth there i i feel like i would like to hear him speak i would like to see you know what's changed what's why, you know, do you, do you deserve to coach now? Or is it just because your contract with Toronto is finally over and you don't, you don't get, you know, paid a bunch to do nothing anymore? Um, and, and I'm curious to see what his coaching style is going to be like. If he has something that can help a player like Kent Johnson and whoever they draft third overall this year and all this sort of stuff really take a step forward, this could potentially be a really good move for Columbus. I, I know that Yarmo Kekalainen is probably on the hot seat here. Uh, and, you know, as far as players or coaches that really mesh with his personality, Mike Babcock would probably be right up there in a no-nonsense type of way. Um, but if you're going to see, you know, Patrick Line is getting benched and Boone Jenner's getting played 30 minutes a night, then, well, this is business as usual for Mike Babcock. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you in the sense of there's always a path back for people. It becomes like my eye on Babcock is going to be, has he learned? Did he really change or is he still, as you said, benching guys for 30 minutes a night, just playing those mental games? Is he still doing that stuff or has he actually grown? Because that's that's another thing, too. If we want to talk about the boys' club, you can look at the boys' club and you can say, to me, the boys' club are the ones that don't adapt and don't change. Like, why I'm going to be watching Babcock. Yeah. Are you still the same coach or did you adapt to the times and to the game? That's why, I again, to, to also circle it to Laviolette, that's somebody that has clearly adapted as the game's adapted as well as a head coach, which is why he's stuck around so long. Others have struggled. What's Babcock going to be? That's uh, I, and and I do want him to get a second chance. Is Columbus the right place for that? Uh, I mean, I, I guess that they think their window is closing to compete. Even the uh, 10 I, steps I backwards, mean, but, you know. Okay. They're, they're drafting third overall, Nick. They need the window to open. <laughs> uh, they thought it was going to open this year, though. They made a whole bunch of moves to improve, and they ended up stepping back. Now, now th- there's an idea to this, and I've really struggled with a way to word it that doesn't sound like I'm being a jerk and making fun of Columbus. So maybe you can help me with it. Okay. Uh, he's Mike Babcock starts in Anaheim, wins the Stanley Cup, goes to Detroit, wins the Stanley Cup. 
uh, is there yeah, for a good show. amount of time, you know, takes the opportunity in Toronto, uh, then everything comes out about him being a terrible human being. Going to coach in Columbus kind of seems like an adequate punishment. <laughs> you know, you're not. Oh, God, we're both going to get it because uh, you're not I, wrong. I, I get, like, you're I, not, get you're, I, I can't. I can't find the words to not be a jerk about it. Yeah. But that is, but I feel like that's not an unfair assessment of the situation. I mean, like if you, if you're listening and you're a Columbus Blue Jackets fan, like you have to, you have to agree with that statement. It's not because I know there's no malice behind it. I know it's not like a LOL Blue Jackets thing. It's just a man. Things have been so bad here recently. And as I just said, they made the moves in the last offseason to improve, and we all were like, yeah, they'll be a little bit better. It's not a playoff team like they think they are, but they'll be a little bit better. And they ended up being worse. Like, it's it's bad. So, yeah, if ever there was a guy that needs to show that he's changed and be welcome back to the league, why not send him to Columbus? Yeah. Like – it, listen, we could have made it worse by 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 mentioning the Coyotes. Okay, we we could have done that. Yeah, like, like that that's and, a, that's a point in laugh, which is an unfortunate point in laugh because if anybody wants the Coyotes to succeed, it's me. And uh, and Columbus certainly made a couple of moves to make sure Babcock's mm-hmm. going to be in a position to succeed. They did. They brought in uh, everybody's favorite player. Uh, yeah, it, it, I, I, I'm pretty sure I texted you after that trade. I said uh, Columbus just going all in on being having lots of very unlikable people around. Uh, you know, they, uh, they just really excited for January 6th. Uh, I hear there's going to be a promotion <laughs> that night at the. Uh... <laughs> uh, but yeah, they they went out and they acquired Ivan Provorov, uh, who's, you know, making four point. Uh, 725 against the cap. He's part of a big, complicated three-way trade uh, that moved a goalie out of L.A. so that uh, Vladislav Gabrikov could sign there. Uh, he's going to have an AAV of 5.875 uh, for, I believe, the maximum term there. I don't remember how long he signed for, but... Uh, seems like, you know, a decent move on both of their parts. Uh, if Ivan Provorov, you know, needs a cha- needed that change of scenery, needed a chance to uh, go out and, uh, you know, try, so- be- try to be who he was somewhere else. Decent place to do it. Uh, nice Russian Orthodox church by the arena. So if that's a big deal for him, uh, it was a big deal for Artemi Panarin as well. He used to go there before games a lot. Uh, so, yeah, de- decent move uh, for acquiring him there and not giving up a ton to do it, frankly. Uh, and then a third-round pick sent to New Jersey to acquire playoff sweetheart Damon Severson in a sign-in trade that'll pay him $6.25 million for an eight-year deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Knowing how sensitive Columbus is about players that don't want to sign long-term, I think they may be overpaying D- Severson a bit here, but it, I think they're jumping at the opportunity to lock someone up for that long, even if they're you know a defensive specialist type guy. 
And, uh, you know, you give up a third round pick for that. That's that's a really good move. I can't be mad at that at all. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you just on the the pay is, is an overpay uh, as far as the money amount that he's getting over that time. But he had a solid year with the Devils. He had a good playoff, a really good playoff. So, you know. I wasn't surprised to see a, a swing on him. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It's definitely money-wise a little, oof, all right, that that could bite you. But there's a lot of upside to it, and only giving up a third is is a nice. And, and adding Provorov, like, you know, that's, it, it is what it is, but that is a guy that was considered the best guy on that Phillies D. Uh, and Philly is just not a good team. So he was definitely playing. You know, we were talking about defenseman earlier. That's a guy that was like putting up well over 20 minutes a game and, you know, had all the spotlight on him. And now he can go to Columbus where, again, spotlight's not as extreme right now. And he's got a little help there as well now. Like there, there's there's some solid, like it's not just him. Yeah, and don't forget they still have Zacharinsky yeah. there with them too. So all, all of a sudden, this blue line's looking a lot more respectable. Now, who's playing there. that if, though? Uh, Aiden Hill. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, dude, I I I could picture something crazier happening. Jonathan Quick. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Quick comes back around and says, you know, maybe I was wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I wonder which one of them will be playing net in Arizona. Or will it be Hartford, Nick? Oh. As news broke last week about the... Uh, Governor of Connecticut, Dennis House, uh, says he has organized a group to put them in place to to buy the Arizona Coyotes and relocate them to Hartford. Yeah. Um, good luck. That's what I'll say. Uh, and and I say that in the yeah, sense th- this of... Is a, this is a... Oh, yo. Yeah, th- this is this is a totally realistic deal and not, you know, a political move trying to win over people in Connecticut at all. Uh, yeah, the, the the governor, you know, seems to overlook uh, that the or excuse me, the governor's name is Ned Lamont. I don't know where I got Dennis House from. Yeah. But anyway, uh, the governor seems to overlook the fact that the coyotes haven't gone up for sale. Uh, and if we saw anything that played out here, the uh, NHL isn't always the craziest about the uh, ownership bids that make a ton of noise, you know? So I it I, I wanted, almost kind of want to say that old Mean Girls line that, you know, stop trying to make the Whalers happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. But I, I feel like this is something you see come up every now and again that, you know, someone in Connecticut's trying to get the Whalers back into an arena that probably seats less people than the Winnipeg Jets. Okay. Now that's a shot. Um, <laughs> now, now oh, okay. Talking about shots, as we remember, we did that nice little quiz about 
uh, teams and their uh, changing relocations and names and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I don't think we touched on this part, but do you know why a team ended up in Hartford? Uh, it had to be a move. So when the NHL merged with the WHA, one of the teams that they brought on to be in the league full time, aside from, you know, Winnipeg and teams like that was the Whalers. They were the new England Whalers and they played in Boston. Mm. And you could see how there would be an issue having two Boston teams. So they said, this team has to relocate what's right down the road. It's Hartford. So outside of that, there wouldn't have been a team in Hartford to begin with, okay? you. This was the Boston cast-off of we don't want to go to Providence, Rhode Island. So I guess Hartford will be fine. So so let's, let's just stop with the romanticizing of the Whalers. Ron Francis played there. It was very cool. I get it. It's not going to come back. Not going to happen. Yeah. Throw them in the same bin that I put the Quebec Nordiques. Uh, the Nordie, listen, I would say that at least Hartford could get another team again before the Nordiques will ever, ever happen again. Uh, yeah. You have it, a better shot at getting that second team in Toronto than the Nordiques. Yeah. Or, or that third team in Atlanta. Mm, which I have seen Atlanta link to if the Coyotes were going to possibly move again. It would be Atlanta, uh, but I've seen the articles that was like the third time would be the charm this time, and I'm like, let Atlanta go. As, as, like, <laughs> I, I it's this time will be different. Yeah, I I don't know how you can tell me this time will be different. Um, and also, I just everything you said about the Hartford thing, you're right. It's totally uh, uh, I'm doing a thing, so vote for me. But it's a thing that will never be done. And I, though, think it'll never be done because I don't think the NHL wants to go east. If they go east, they have to realign. If they realign, that causes a headache because what do you do? Detroit, you, you're the one that made me privy to this, that it was Detroit that agreed to move to a central time the last time because when realignment came, they would go back to the east. That that ain't gonna happen. They're not gonna be able to go. Hey, Detroit, you want to go back to the Central? Uh, Columbus, no, hey, you want to go to the Central? No, like it's just that's not gonna happen. So yeah, it, you're so, not gonna get the unbalance. And and even if they were, even if they were, where do you get the TV market mm -hmm. from Hartford? The markets that. The NHL should be interested in Houston, Salt Lake City, Atlanta. I would even maybe throw in Kansas City there. That's where you're going to get advertising dollars. Hartford, I'm sorry, guys. No, no one's that concerned about advertising in Hartford. Yeah, and and, and uh, you know, not to be like ha 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 Rangers, but you have the Rangers, the Islanders, the Devils, all there in the tri-state area. So, okay, that's going to cut into your Connecticut base for sure. You're adding a fourth team to an area that's got three. Not to mention, you brought it up, Boston's not, you know, is, is nearby in Massachusetts. You're not going to get anybody from, from Massachusetts now as a fan. So 
you know, what you're, you're begging on Vermont, <laughs> New Hampshire, Ro- Rhode Island to show up. Like it's, it's, it's a tough sell in that area because you just have so much history with those three teams out of the New York and, and New Jersey area. And you're not getting, and by the way, good luck also as well, I guess with those, with those uh, Vermont and them, because I'd imagine that they probably get hit with Sabres games a lot. So you got Sabres fans up there as well. Now, like it's too cluttered right there. You're right. They, they, they're looking at the TV markets and the radio markets and the big markets that they're not in, which are absolutely Houston, uh, which also would work too. If you're trying to do a little bit of a realignment and you don't want to screw with things too much, just yep. Or Kansas, right City. Or Kansas City. City. Or Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City would be pretty cool as well. Uh, Atlanta, though, is one of those big markets where it's like it is weird that there isn't a team there, uh, especially since you have everything else there. You know, you've got football, yeah. you've got baseball, you've got your basketball. Uh, but again, it just creates an, a, a weird balance by moving a team from a central and, and the west to the east because then now you got to try and balance out the conferences and you're not going to do an expansion again, at least yet. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Gary Bettman did specifically say they're not in expansion mode. Yeah. Uh, they did f- look like they came to an agreement for the Ottawa senators to get. Started. Yeah. Yeah. And in typical NHL fashion, you had the weekend, Ryan Reynolds, Snoop Dogg, all, parts of groups expressing interest and it ended up with a, uh, some billionaire out of Toronto that already had a minority stake in the Canadians that no one's really heard of, uh, which, Hey, I get the, you know, you're not going to tell someone else to sell something they own for the betterment of someone else. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think a lot, well, couple details about the deal uh this guy has to take over the capital gains tax that would come along with the sale he has to pay that for the melnick family which seemed really surprising that that's probably a big reason other groups walked away from this mm-hmm. uh, and then another part of it is that the two melnick daughters daughters are going to maintain a 10 percent stake in the team uh with protection from losses and stuff like that associated with it. So the guy's going to be paying almost a billion dollars and he's not even going to have full control or the full hundred percent of the team. Um, Boy, there's gotta be other teams that hear that and say the Ottawa senators sold for how much maybe we need to see what, you know, our team's worth. Yeah. Yeah. and, And obviously the NHL probably doesn't, like the idea of 10 franchises all being on sale at the same time and being able to pit those sales against each other and stuff like that. Uh, so, and so they got to get the coyotes thing sorted out first, but if you saw more other franchises go up for sale in the next year or two, uh, you heard it here first, it was going to happen. And I, I don't think they're going to be as public as this specific one, because obviously with Eugene Melnick passing away, it was very obvious that this team needed to be sold. Whereas when it came to a team like Pittsburgh, you and I both woke up one day and the Fenway group owned the Penguins. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that was the first we had heard of it. Yeah. So I, I think 
going forward, it, we shouldn't be too surprised to see more ownership change hands and change hands without a whole lot of lead up to it like this. Yeah, this was this you you mentioned it. It was a very unique situation, very public. Um, what had happened with the passing of Eugene Melnick, and then everything from that point forward was very very public. Uh, so it, it, but yeah, it, it was a little it was a little sad not to see Snoop Dogg's name uh, attached to the group when they sold. But I am happy that there seems to be a little bit of stability for the senators. Now there's uh, at least a plan to move forward. Uh, the team is probably going to be staying there, but yeah, I'd be curious. I'm curious to see uh, if anybody, you know, after the coyote stuff, if anybody puts the team up, who, who would be the person that sells and, you know, cause I, I can't off the top of my head, think of any, any owner out there that, that wants to get rid of their team or, would be looking to, but uh, to the senators really quickly. Now that we have an owner is the next move after he resigned from his head coaching position. Um, is Patrick Waugh going to become the GM coach of the Ottawa senators? Ooh, I hadn't heard that. Did you, are, are you, are you spitballing here? Are you just throwing stuff out there? I'm throwing or is, stuff is... out there because, because what I had seen is that apparently, uh, Wad, like the announcement was made about the sale. Then Wa stepped down from his position. But then I guess somebody was like, Oh, does this mean? And he was like, no, I don't, I'm not taking the head coaching job. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to be a head coach. And then I was like, well, does that mean he's going to be a GM? And then when he becomes GM, he yeah. names himself as the coach. And he's like, I told you, I wasn't just going to be a coach. Like, Is he coming out of retirement <laughs> to be a player again? Yeah, that would be really funny, actually. Don't Marty Brodeur yeah. this, man. Just just stay away. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I was just throwing that out there. Uh, I mean, I feel like, if anything, if, if Watt doesn't want to coach – the idea did pop in my head of, is he ready to maybe be a GM then? Like, did he walk away from coaching because he just didn't like it? But then he went and he won a championship and, you know, with a bunch of kids and it seems like he liked that, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's, he has left jobs in very bizarre ways for coaching. It feels like actually but, to be uh, fair, I, can we even just say even coaching? I mean, he, he did it as well as a player. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a, that's a fair you point. Know, like, how did he end up in Colorado? Well, he kind well, of got played his last game. Yeah, kind of uh, walked away. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, that's man. I I'm gonna I'm gonna think on that now because I don't know how much you even want to change the general manager and head coach, if you're taking over like that, or if he's going to have that Terry Pagula hands-on style to it, or yeah. if he's going to be, you know, more of a, you know, okay, you guys know what you're doing sort of thing and let it go from there. Yeah. I don't know. It was just, it was just a thought. Cause I thought the timing of the law stuff was so weird. Cause you know, like they were both like handshaking and I was like, huh, is something going on here? Is there like some behind the scenes, Patrick Y is making his big return and it's going to be with the senators like that would, cause that would be a hell of a, a way to draw attention on that team. 
Yeah, the uh, the headline from TSN was Roy steps down from Ramparts, says interest from NHL teams, absolutely none. Uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, he might have just won his championship and been like, that's it. I'm taking a year off. I'm going to Tom Holland this stuff. Uh, I'm just not going to work for a year. Um, all right. Uh, so Senators sold, and I believe that's all the hockey news for the week. Oh, but there's news, Nick. Yeah, there there's news news if, that's, if all the hockey news is done. And the news news yeah. uh, is that I guess we'll see if there's an episode next week or not with the draft and stuff, uh, post-draft. But I guess we can call this, in a way, uh, maybe the season finale. But don't worry, there will be a season two. It just will not be on one streaming network that we've been on. Uh, It will be... Why, Nick? Tell us why. I'm getting there, man. I'm getting there. It will be featured on Apple podcast on spotify on tune in on all of them uh streaming platforms as well as youtube because i am no longer going to be working at the company that i work at right now or at least the station i work at right now i am going back to norfolk virginia which means we do not have a sports station to do radio uh, within the company But no sports station means this show gets to go to other streaming platforms, not be affiliated with a radio station, and means that we can also cuss next year. And you get to get rid of me and get your pal Greg Wyshynski as a co-host. He will never be allowed on our show again, actually. (laughs) Because... Yeah, well, it's in his contract. He can't go on anything that's not ESPN affiliated, so we're not going to be an ESPN affiliate. So really what so, I should do is is line him up for one more interview and then drop it <laughs> on the last day. <laughs> and, and and you'll have the chance to, uh, to live in the same town as champions Shea Theodore and William Carlson. I know. I know, I, I know. I, I won't lie. I did not know that until after the cup final. <laughs> uh, that's 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 why I said uh, a, a, a couple of uh, admirals players win in the cup back at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. City of champions, man. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, hell, it produced John Cooper in them. Um, yeah, it produced uh, those uh, Chicago teams as well. That too. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, Corey Crawford. Um, John Gibson. Do we we don't talk about Gibson. No, Duncan no. Keith. <laughs> Duncan Keith. We got to see play there. Yeah, because uh, they were Chicago when we were still in college. Yeah, and then they were Tampa right after that, and then yeah. the unfortunate. We Anaheim. predicted it when they signed with Anaheim. We were like, oh boy, the, we're going to end up losing AHL team here, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but but we'll have plenty of more time to talk about that yeah. when we get the new setup. Now, hey, and maybe now, and maybe we'll also be ECHL official as well. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm in an ECHL town, baby. <laughs> don't tease me, Nick. You know I will do, throw down on some ECHL interviews. Yeah. ECHL same ticket prices as AHL. Oh yes, gotta love uh, the Admirals. <laughs> now, Nick, for anyone that wants to follow us to our new platform, where can they find you? 
Uh, well, you can find me still on Twitter, wonderful underscore radio. That's not going to change. Uh, and how can they find you, John? Uh, I will be on Twitter at JT Evans, the number zero. Sweet. On that note, everybody, uh, I guess happy season finale. We'll probably talk to you at the draft, though, on a different streaming platform. So, bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good night. an ivory-covered homestead that I love With its wide old-fashioned chimney and a simple home like ours It's the land of my dear parents now a